Good afternoon. It is Friday, June 8th, and uh, in many places, certainly here in Florida, it is the last day of school, so summer has started. Our guest today is the author of a fascinating study of what it means to cold call, uh, opening doors and closing sales. The title of the book is Cold Calling for Women, and the author and our guest is Wendy Weiss. Wendy, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I tell you what, I I am one of those people that if I have a list in front of me and I have to pick up the phone and call them and I can't find a single warm connection to them, it strikes terror in my heart. So when I read the back cover of your book and it starts out by eliminate telephone terror, <laughs> that so resonated with me. So, Wendy, why don't you give us a little bit of a thumbnail of your background before you started writing, and then tell us a little bit about uh, this book. And I think you you have uh, you have had some other forays into the writing field as well. Yes, Cold Calling for Women uh, was actually my first book, and uh, my more recent book is the Sales Winner's Handbook: Essential Scripts and strategies to skyrocket sales performance. Oh, wow. I love that one, too. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm known as the queen of cold calling, um, but I was never supposed to be the queen of cold calling. I was supposed to be a ballerina. I, um, yeah, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I, um, I moved to New York City, where I still live and work, uh-huh. And I moved here as a teenager to dance. And uh, then eventually, like every artist in New York City, I needed a day job. And I waited on tables for a while. That got kind of old <laughs> kind of quickly. And um, then I got a job with a telemarketing company that uh, did new business development. And it turned out that I was good at it. Who knew? Because ballet dancers, uh, we don't talk. We dance, but we don't talk. And um, so I did that day job for a while, and then I started my own business where I had clients that I would represent, and I did new business development for them. Right. And um, then from there, I segued into the business that I have today. And the business that I have today is working with sales professionals and business owners and entrepreneurs and consultants, people that need to develop new business. And um, I do have to say that I feel like I'm doing something that's really important, especially today when it's still so hard out there. Right, right. Well, I can think of so many people who need this book, but and and certainly your your uh, your new book is one that I want to make sure I get my hands on as well. But you know the whole issue of cold calling for women, and you know we have had so many shows, um, in fact many of late, where we've talked about the importance of relationship and introduction and all of those things that make women feel ultra comfortable. Uh, in fact, uh, Patty and I are in the midst of starting a, a new company, and you know we spend most of our time you know, recording who our prospects should be and then finding that link that helps it not be a cold call. So let's, let's just dive right in and talk uh, first about you know, why did you decide to put this knowledge that you clearly are passionate about, uh, why did you decide to actually put it into writing? Because writing a book is pretty daunting stuff. Well, actually, I launched my business by writing a book. Uh, any of our listeners that are out there um, that are thinking about launching a business, writing a good book is a good way to help get it off the ground. Right. And um, I initially wrote Cold Calling for Women uh not so much because I wanted to write a book that said women do this and men do that, uh, but rather I wanted to give women a tool that they could use to develop new business. And going along with that, this whole idea of uh, cold calling has been very demonized in our culture. And I actually think it's time for women to take the power. This is a phone call. This is not something uh, that is going to kill you or the person you're talking to. 
And um, I think that we do ourselves a disservice by dismissing this uh, without understanding what it's actually about, because the cold, your cold call, and maybe it's the word, maybe we need another word. In cold calling for women, I talk about introductory calling. You're calling right. to introduce yourself. Um, we meet people in many ways throughout life. Picking up the phone and introducing yourself is another way that you can do that. Well, I love that introductory calling because it, it takes away that, that stigma uh, because cold does sound so very cold. And, and, you know, while we know it won't kill us, uh, I think sometimes we think it might at least make us bleed. Um, and, you know, we, we are conditioned not to want to be rejected. So talk to us a little bit about about what you need to actually get started. You know, is it as simple as picking up the phone book? What what is it to actually get you off the dime if you are afraid of, of cold calling? Okay, great great question because you know there are so many myths out there about what cold calling is and uh one of the myths is you open up the phone book and start making phone calls, and that's one of the dumber things that I've ever heard. Uh, if you want to be successful doing this or actually any kind of marketing, you need to be very strategic and very targeted. So you're not going to open up the phone book. You're going to figure out who is most likely to become your customer or who, who is most likely to become your client and call them. So that's the first thing that you have to do. Um, is figure out who makes a really good customer for you, for whatever it is you're selling. Um, and the other thing that you have to do is is get prepared. Uh, th- this is a communication skill. You know, I was really lucky because when I was in my early 20s, somebody taught me how to do this. I learned. It's not intuitive. That's another myth that there that there are the born salesperson that there are people out there that are just born knowing what to say. Not true. It is a communication skill. Women are great communicators. We can learn how to do this. Right. And uh, you know, I was lucky because somebody taught me, and and learning the skill enabled me to build a business. If you uh, go to my website, which is queenofcoldcalling.com, and you look at my client list you'll see that I have a fairly impressive roster of corporate clients. Uh, Just about every client on that list, I can trace back either directly to somebody that I cold called, or if they were from a referral, I can trace the referral back to somebody that I cold called. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm really not. This, This is for the women out there that struggle with this. I was a ballet dancer. I didn't know anything about business, but I was lucky because somebody taught me how to do this. Right, right. Well, so getting those skills in place, you you still made a really important point. You still need to know who it is who's going to buy whatever it is that you're selling. And, you know, I think in many cases, I was uh, sharing with you before we started, uh, a lot of our listeners, uh, the members of the Executive Girlfriends Group, are in the services sector. And so it it isn't quite as simple as being able to show someone a physical good. You know, my my, uh, washing machine is better than your washing machine, or, you know, here are the people who would buy that. You know, we're we're selling intangibles, and we're selling things that don't have uh, clear specifications in many cases. Um, so one of the things I think that we are always challenged with, and, and certainly in the new business that we're starting, is who's going to be the actual purchaser? So we, we know what kinds of companies we want to go after, what kinds of organizations, and in our particular new business, we are going after the nonprofit sector. So within a charity, who who is the person who really is going to drive the decision-making? Um, so do you have a model for how do you determine, you know, whether it's the recommender inside or the decision maker, or how do you get through the maze and, and in many cases, just even get past the gatekeeper? Wow, that's a, a multifaceted question that you, right? you just asked me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, here here goes. Um, first of all, the the rule of thumb is 
that you're looking for the highest level person that you believe is the decision maker. So you you go back and you take a look at existing customers or clients. What are the titles of the people that make the decision, not the people that are that you're working with maybe day to day that are using the serv- service, but the people that actually make the decision. What are their titles? And you're looking for the highest level person that you think is the decision maker because that person uh, either will be the decision maker or they'll know who is and they can refer you. It is much easier, actually, to go from the top down right. than to go from the bottom up. People think it's easier to start at the bottom. It's not. You get right. stuck there and you can't move up. Um, right. Now, I, I'm a huge believer in that. And, and also, uh, I because I am most often in business-to-business sales as opposed to business-to-consumer sales, uh, I'm a big believer in finding the uh, the folks that aggregate those people that I want to get to. So I'd rather call them and have them integrate my stuff into their product line because they already have all those relationships than Absolutely. Uh, you know, going in door to door. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one thing, a, a lot of people in sales or a lot of people that are, are trying to sell feel that they are less than the people that they are calling. In other words, they get on the phone and it's almost like they're saying, please, please, will you talk to me, please? You are a peer of the person that you are calling. If you have a service that you believe in that offers value to your clients, then you have something of value that you're offering. And if you've done your homework and you're calling somebody that you believe has a problem that you can solve with this service, you are a peer of the person that you are calling. And um, I think that sometimes we forget that. Right. And, you know, your Chapter 3 actually speaks directly to that of why your customer or client or your prospect in this case actually needs you. And, And I think if you can be confident of that from the outset, it's easier to feel like a peer. Yeah, and most people think about it the other way around. They think, I need my prospect or I need my customer. But they actually need you, too. It's a very reciprocal relationship. Right, right. So let's let's jump right to the hello. Um, the other person says hello. You, you feel like you're prepared, but all of a sudden that fear creeps back in that they're going to somehow shut you off and not not listen. How do you start the conversation? Okay. Um, You know, I I mentioned earlier that I used to be a ballet dancer. I use a performance model to talk about this. And what I mean by a performance model is the first thing that you do when you're a ballet dancer is you have to warm up. You have to stretch out and get set up so that you don't hurt yourself. Um, You know, ballet dancers can have a lot of injuries. You you don't want to hurt yourself. You want to be warmed up so you can do what you need to do. Um, So it works exactly the same way here. Before you get on the phone, you have to do your warm-up. You have to figure out what are you going to say when you get your prospect on the telephone. That's part of the warm-up so that you don't hurt yourself. And sometimes I get emails, people email me, through my website, queenofcoldcalling.com, and they'll ask me, Wendy, is there a good generic script that I can use? And the answer is no. There's no generic script. What you say has to be relevant to the person that you're saying it to. So what you want to do is figure out what is the number one problem that your prospects have that you can help them with. And that's what you lead with. Um, I, I can give you an example here. I um, have an email that somebody sent to me recently, and uh, she says, Wendy, I'm wondering if you could give me advice on how to properly word my script. I start by introducing myself. Then I say their company name uh, helps associations with their marketing and communications to their members including new member kits, billing systems, and direct mail. 
I'm calling to see if we could stop by for a quick 15-minute meeting. I always get cut off right there without having a chance to offer a time. <gasps> Big surprise. <laughs> Big surprise there. Okay. The problem is she's making herself into a commodity. She's just listing all the things that they do. They do new member kits, billing systems, and direct mail. So uh, if they all, if this association already has somebody that does new member kits, they don't need the new member kits. Exactly. Okay. She would be better off. looking. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, what would be a problem that, say, an executive director or a membership director of an association might have having to do with new member kits, billing systems, and direct mail? I'm thinking membership growth or membership retention. So rather than just listing all the things they do, she would be better off introducing herself and saying something like, we have a track record of helping membership associations grow and retain their members. Because that is a problem that membership directors or executive directors might have. Right. And if they have that problem, they would be interested in speaking with you. Yeah, we're we're uh, kind of going through the same thing in our our new organization. We have have uh, harnessed something that that uh, has not previously been used in the not-for-profit world. And uh, as I sh- had shared with you earlier, I'm from the travel industry, and we are are putting together uh, some products and services that help organizations raise money through the traveling that their donors already do. And, you know, when we took the first shot at everything, and, and we haven't put together a script for outbound calling, but, you know, that's clearly something that after after this call we're, we're going to want to at least outline how to do that. But, you know, we made all of those classical mistakes of talking about what, what, what it is that we do and <clears throat> not really – Saying, you know, how has your how has your donation levels been over the the course of the last couple of years with the economic crunch? You know, could you use more more donors or exactly. more, more money from those that you have? So I love that approach. And again, it's so intuitive and and obvious, but you know, for many people, it's not as comfortable to start there. You know, we all like to talk about ourselves. Get over it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So so let's talk, you know, I mentioned uh, that on the back of your book you talk about the term telephone terror. What are the things that you tell people who, who really do freeze or, or who get even sick to their stomach before they make the calls? Okay. I know that a lot of people are, are very, very uncomfortable when it comes to making calls. And that's actually one of the reasons – that I wrote my second book, The Sales Winner's Handbook, because I'm a big believer that if you know what you're going to say, if you're prepared, you're not going to be so uncomfortable. So The Sales Winner's Handbook is actually a script book. It's a what-do-you-say book. If they say A, you say B uh, kind of book. But um, preparation is really key here. in in the performance model, you've got a warm-up, so that's your preparation, that you put together a good list of prospects that you know have a need of whatever it is you're selling, that you are prepared for how you're going to introduce yourself and, and what you're going to talk about. Uh, then the next step in the performance model is that you rehearse. If you're a dancer, you don't just run out on stage and start dancing. You've been rehearsing for months. Right. And when you rehearse, you practice the same choreography over and over and over again until it just becomes automatic. You don't have to think about it. And uh, that's why sales trainers love role-playing. You, you want to create uh, – dancers talk about muscle memory, uh, that your body remembers for you. Um, you want that same kind of muscle memory when you get on the phone. Not that, not that you've memorized what you're going to say, simply that you're comfortable with it, that you know what you're going to say and you don't have to think about it or worry about it or what if I get asked this question or that question? Because you know, you're prepared. And then you get on the phone. And the problem is most people fall fall down on their warm-up and rehearsal. Right. And then they fall down on the performance. Well, Um, and I think one of the things I love about your second book is that 
again, I, I'm a huge fan of really, really practical books that aren't just theory, but that uh, actually have proven tactics. And, and you give 155 pages of sales tactics and 53 proven appointment setting deal closing scripts. And the next one uh, of what you provide in this book is 144 qualifying questions. And, you know, have we really thought through what our qualifying questions are? Because you can't know who you want to sell to until you know who you don't want to sell to and, and when you should be the one cutting off the discussion, right? Absolutely. And and to take it a step further and related to this this question about the the fear and and difficult phone calls, I got an email from someone. Uh she was very upset because she had made a call and evidently this prospect was very rude to her. So she sent me an email and she was very upset and she went on and on about how rude he was. And he shouldn't have been so rude, and he had no reason to be that rude to her. And then at the end of the email, she said, and he wouldn't have even been a very big customer. So I emailed her back, and I said, why were you calling him in the first place? If you are calling someone that you already know wouldn't be a very big customer, that is a very difficult call to make. They don't need what you're selling. If you call someone that needs what you're selling, that's a much easier call to make. And and so it goes back to doing your homework. Right, right, absolutely. Absolutely. So as, as we walk through the, the rest of the, the topics that you cover in your book, the next one, uh, Chapter 9, is about naming your prospect. Tell me a little bit about that concept. Well, Naming your prospect um, has actually gotten easier and, and easier since I, I wrote Cold Calling for Women because uh, when I wrote Cold Calling for Women, there weren't quite as many ways uh, to put a name on the person that you want to talk to. Um, and uh, But today, there's all sorts of online research, uh, resources in addition to uh, the basic script, which is once you've, uh, as we talked about earlier, once you've identified a title, that's what you want to ask for. When you call a switchboard, you do not want to ask for the person that makes the decision to purchase, fill in the blank with whatever it is you're selling. Instead, you want to say, before you connect me, I need to reach, and you plug in the title of the person you want to reach. Who would that be, please? And asking for a title actually eliminates a lot of the problems that people have trying to get a name. Because when you ask for the person who makes the decision to purchase, you've just identified yourself as somebody that's selling something. And uh, it's very easy for a gatekeeper to say to you, well, we're all covered, we don't need that. And uh, But if you ask for a title, that doesn't happen. Very interesting. Yeah, you describe them as the palace guard. I think that that is a, a wonderful uh, way to look at them uh, because they they do have a job, and, and that is to keep out the riffraff. Well, I disagree. I disagree. Um, I think that the palace guard, part of their job is to put important calls through, and right. that includes yours. Right. Let, let me throw the, this but I, idea but I think that, that that is that is a mindset, again, yeah. There are some people in that role who actually believe that they they shouldn't be allowing anything through, and there are others that see the importance of that role, just as you just described. Okay. But imagine for a moment that Hillary Clinton is calling your prospect, and the gatekeeper says to Hillary Clinton, what is this in reference to? I am willing to bet that Hillary Clinton would not say, Oh well, um, gee, I'm I'm the um, uh, Secretary of State, and um, before that I was a presidential candidate, and um, before that I, I was the senator from New York, and um, before that I was first lady. Maybe you've heard of me. <laughs> She'd probably say this is Hillary Clinton. Now I know you know some people love Hillary, some people hate Hillary, but whatever you may think of her, she's got a lot of confidence. Exactly. 
Well, I, I absolutely uh, agree with that, and and having that confidence factor. You know, we we had a phone call with with a major media company that that was a not for profit, and we called and we're trying to find out um, who we could speak to about bringing in a program that would bring them thirty thousand dollars a quarter in incremental donations. And wow. The guy was trying to tell us. You know, well, you can just uh, contribute on the web. <laughs> it's like, no, understand, we need to talk to the person, <laughs> you know, who does this. And, and they it, it happens to be an organization that doesn't publish anything about their organizational structure or, you know, so it was just really, really difficult to penetrate. But, uh, you know, it, it really is amazing how if you can speak with that level of authority that, you know, here's what I'm bringing in. Can you please find me someone, you know, in, in the right organization? So that, that navigation process, um, you know, really depends on, uh, you know, I think having that preparation, as you said, is just invaluable. So what happens if you've got an organization that you know needs your product and you cannot find out even the title of, of the kind of person that you want to speak with? Well, you know, today there is so much information available. Um, I've been doing this for 20 years. And 20 years ago, um, there weren't a lot of ways to find out uh, who to talk to. But there is so much information online. Do a Google search. Uh, Do uh, a, a, a Boolean search with the name of the organization plus the title that you think it might be. See whose name pops up. Uh, look at LinkedIn. There, they have a search function. There are, there is so much information out there that um, it's just not as difficult as it used to be. A lot of organizations put their executives on their website. So, um, is there an occasional organization that's harder to penetrate? Yeah, certainly. Uh, but a lot of them, with some with some digging, you can find out who to talk to. Right. Uh, call. Uh, there's a, a sales department. Call the sales department. Ask a salesperson to help you out. Call customer service. Ask customer service to help you out. Right. If you keep digging, you'll find out who to talk to. Right. Right. Yeah, one of my favorites is is looking uh, because we're typically looking for a high level, uh, you know, business development or or a very very senior executive for what we're doing is is looking at their past press releases, and see who is quoted in those press releases. That's kind of a hidden hidden resource that we have found. There you go. So how about qualifying that decision maker? I mean, once once you think you know who it is, are there qualification? questions that you need to ask, or is is this another research task that you need to qualify them before you get them on the phone? Well, you certainly want to pre-qualify them. This is a great question, by the way. You want to pre-qualify them. In other words, whatever your criteria about what makes a good prospect, you believe with the information you've been able to gather that this particular prospect meets those criteria. So that's that's the first thing that you have to do. Um, and then when you have the conversation with a prospect, uh, a, a lot of people try to qualify the prospect too early. Uh, they, they'll either say things like, uh, they'll get the pro- person on the phone and then say something like, are you the person that makes the decision to purchase, <laughs> fill in the blank? <laughs> or uh, they'll say uh, something like, uh, we help our clients fill in the blank, and if I could ask you a few questions, I could determine if I might be able to help you fill in the blank. <laughs> and, you know, you're really just better off having an introduction that talks about how you help your, your clients, that that's what you lead with, um, and... <laughs> Lots of times, if you're not talking to the right person, they'll interrupt you right there and say, oh, you need to talk to Jane Jones. They'll give you a name. Right. Um, but then after you introduce yourself, uh, you say to that prospect, I'd, l- I'd like to have a conversation with you about 
and you fill in the blank with what you want to talk to them about. So first you get the permission to have the conversation, um, and then you can ask your questions. Mm, I like that one. And so they they give you the permission, and uh, invariably uh, you get some level of objection. Uh, you know, might might be a, a simple one, um, or it might be more specific. Uh, again, we we talked to a uh, one of the major national charities uh, about a month and a half ago, and and they threw out three very specific objections when I spoke to them. And I went away and talked to my partner, and we came back and we solved all three, and she came up with two more. Um, so talk to me about specific answers to specific objections and how you can determine whether the objections are simply a soft way of saying no, it doesn't matter what you come back with, the answer will still be no, or whether they truly are real objections. Okay, great question. Um, the first thing that you have to do is figure out what is the goal for your conversation um, because that's going to determine how you proceed. Um, a lot of people want to set up an appointment, and it might be a face-to-face -face appointment or maybe they uh, want to do an online meeting because they want to demo something. Um, so that, that's really the first question. Uh, what's, what is the goal of your conversation? Because the goal of your first conversation is different. Your ultimate goal is to turn this prospect into a, a client, but that's not the goal of your first conversation. If you're looking to set up a meeting, you want, you want to have, a, let's say, a face-to-face -face appointment, then you're not asking that prospect to buy from you over the telephone. Right. And... So a lot of the things that prospects say, for example, if you're trying to set up a face-to-face -face meeting uh, and the prospect says to you, well, we already have someone that provides that service, that's actually irrelevant to your goal. And, and what I mean by that is you want to have an in-depth conversation with this prospect to determine whether there are gaps in the service, if there's uh, another way that you can help them, uh, maybe you have better pricing. There, you want to have an in-depth conversation, which you're probably not going to have over the phone. So rather than trying to tell that prospect all the ways that you're better, which will backfire, uh, you can simply say, well, I understand that you've got somebody that you're working with, and right now, I'm just looking to introduce myself, the company, the service, and you know, have a conversation. And that way, in the future, if your situation changes, you'll know what we do, which is a very reasonable response. And uh, a lot of people will be very open to sitting down and talking to you if they don't feel that pressure that you're trying to get them to make a buying decision immediately. Right. Now, I know a lot of folks... Uh, and, and I'm I'm one of them because I I am uh, one of those who has suffered the terror of cold calling in the past. I typically try to go electronically to them first. So you know today the definition of that you know isn't an introductory email because you've got to find their email first. Um, but it's it's connecting to them on LinkedIn and trying to to make that introduction. Now, if you are lucky enough to get their phone number and you do get to their voicemail, um, what are some of the secrets of actually getting somebody to return your phone call, particularly if they don't know you and you don't have that warm intro from someone else? Okay. Well, the, the chances, this is something that's really changed, actually, over, over the years. And if you'd asked me this a few years ago, uh, I probably would have said, hang up and call somebody else if you get voicemail. Uh, but today it's just it's gotten harder and harder to reach people right. directly. Um, now the chances of somebody responding to your voicemail if you leave one voicemail, the chances of that happening are actually fairly minimal. Right. Uh, what we've seen, we've had a lot of success with clients doing voicemail campaigns, and a voicemail campaign is a series of voicemail messages that you leave over time. So in other words, um, you might 
uh, do a four or maybe a five call sequence where you call the prospect once a week for four or maybe five weeks. Um, you have scripted out these messages beforehand. You're not winging it. Right. And uh, if you've got an email address, you also send an email uh, when you leave the voicemail. So this actually doing this, you're actually touching the prospect. If you're doing a four-call sequence, you're actually touching the prospect eight times if, if you're also sending them an email. Right. And, and you're doing it over the period of a month. And this actually greatly increases conversion. It increases uh, the number of people that call you back because a certain percentage of people that you contact will be in the market today for what you are selling. They'll call you back. Uh, another percentage of people, uh, maybe they're not in the market today, but if you have left some smart and articulate messages that focus on how you help your clients, they can also call you back. They think, hey, this sounds like somebody I ought to know about, and they will call you back. Um, but the chances of sending off one email or leaving one voicemail and expecting somebody to return your phone call probably not going to happen. And um, the other thing I wanted to say is about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great tool. Uh, it's a great tool for research. It's a great tool for connecting with people. But the problem with LinkedIn is you've got to get people out of LinkedIn. <laughs> exactly. 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 So one of the things I, I am curious about, Wendy, because I, I know that your most current book, The Sales Winner's Handbook, uh, again, has, has very, very specific scripts. You talked in the beginning of our call about how with this first book, Cold Calling for Women, you didn't really intend it to be women versus men. You were just trying to help women grow their businesses, which um, you know, uh, those of us who are trying to grow businesses really appreciate that. But can you talk just quickly about the differences between women and men and how we handle this? And uh, you know, since the Sales Winner's Handbook, which is your current book, um, doesn't uh, speak gender specific. What would you recommend, uh, you know, to folks who are listening to this call? I mean, clearly they they probably should get both books, so they they get both sets of perspectives. But it, you know, if there's one thing that you can say that's um, really different about women doing cold calling than men, what would it be? Well, women can be very very powerful uh, doing this. Um, they they can be amazingly powerful. Um, I actually have someone uh, that's making calls for me now because I'm very busy. I, I make my own calls too still, but I'm very busy, and so Gail makes calls for me as well. And um, every time I talk to a prospect where she has set up a meeting for me, the first thing they say is, uh, I don't usually take meetings, but she was just wonderful. And um, women uh, can be very, very powerful doing this because uh, I do think that we are uh, better at listening. As long as we're not mind reading. Women are also very good at mind reading people they don't even know. Um, so you have to be really careful not to mind read the person that you're talking to. Uh, but... Um, so that that's something um, I think men and women are both uncomfortable sometimes prospecting. Uh, they just talk about it differently. Uh, men tend to, I, I call it the, the warrior syndrome, um, and they want to beat down the doors. And I think women sometimes aren't wanting to do that that as much. Um, but but that's that's okay. Um, it both both ways kind of mask fear. But um, the conversation about cold calling is frequently very emotional. You know, even even sales trainers talk about it in very emotional terms. It's you've got to love it or you've got to hate it. That's not true. You do not have to love this. You you just want to get to neutral. Because you can function there. You you cannot function at this emotional place 
uh, where you think nobody wants to talk to you and, and it's this big traumatic experience. Um, right, and you know, and I can trace my reactions, which are very visceral, back to when I was 23. I had left, uh, you know, my family and friends. I had lived in Milwaukee for many years, and I took a job in Denver, Colorado. And that job was very simple. I was going out and installing accounting systems in travel agencies. And I was teaching people how to use the accounting uh, tools. And I had an accounting background, so that was perfect. Well, I installed every single system they sold, right? And then there were no more sales. So they promoted me and made me the VP of sales. And I stayed home literally for three days in my apartment laying on my couch, sick to my stomach that I was going to have to do this. But at the end of three days, uh, just exactly what you just said, I decided I didn't have to like it, but I did have to do it. So I had to get off the couch and go back to work. And, you know, in the in the course of the next year, I actually doubled uh, the company's sales and found out that I was actually much better at it than I thought. But, yeah, just getting up off the couch and actually doing it. Um, and you know this brings me back, and you, you've talked several times about the ballerina analogy and the and the performance model. And I think you know people really need to understand that you know this still is a numbers game. If you make zero calls, you will get zero <laughs> results. And um, you know we we in our new company are very big on recording everything in Salesforce. And and even though we're a brand new startup, Salesforce has an amazing. Uh, light version that's $24 per person per year, and I don't know anybody who can't afford, you know, to to keep track of their contracts or contacts in a tool like that. But still, it is a numbers game. So how many calls do you have to make? And and I know you have a chapter that that addresses that directly. Yes, I, in cold calling for women, I have a chapter that shows you how to do the math. Uh, to figure out how many times exactly you need to dial the phone. If you're using contact tracking software, which everyone should be using, uh, the software can also help you figure that out. Um, the, the bottom line is if you are brand new in sales or you're starting a new business, it's the 80-20 rule. You should be spending 80% of your time looking for new business. If you have a pipeline of business, then you should be spending 20% of your time looking for new business. And that's how you avoid the boom and bust that so many entrepreneurs go through where they've got, uh, they get really, really busy and then they finish all those projects and then they have absolutely nothing in the pipeline so they panic. If you right. spend 20% of your time consistently looking for new business, that's not going to happen to you. Well, Wendy, this has been just so practical, and, and uh, I know that uh, having just walked uh, our listeners through basically the outline of cold calling for women, opening doors and closing sales, that uh, your new book, The Sales Winner's Handbook, uh, is equally as, as practical, and the tagline for that book is Essential Scripts and Strategies to Skyrocket Sales Performance. And you know, I know all of us want to be sales winners, even if we aren't physically selling, most of us play some role in making sure that our company's products do get sold, whether we're designing them, you know, providing sales support, providing technical sales support, and understanding how to make the frontline salespeople successful. So I think that this book can benefit people even if they are, are in roles other than that frontline sales position. Wendy, anything well, you. you'd like to leave us with? Because, uh, again, I think that, that sales is one of those things that, um, you know, a lot of us don't think that that's our role or our title, but uh, particularly in an early-stage company, you know, we are all responsible for building revenue. And, I, you know, I'm right now trying to figure out how I can put everything else in my life on hold next week to just try cold calling all week, all the prospects that we have built up in Salesforce. Oh, good for you, Chicky. Good for you. Well, I may need um, a little coaching on that, but I, I'm serious because we, we have been in business for six months, have an amazing uh, product, and you know I firmly believe it can be done. But until I have done it myself, I'm not sure how I can expect other people to do it on my, my behalf. Of course, of course. And it always helps if you're managing people that need to be on the phone uh, to have – 
uh, a process in place for them to have scripts, uh, to have messaging, voicemails, emails. It just makes it so much simpler. If, if you can give someone a step-by-step -step process, they're much more likely to be able to execute on it. And the, the last thought I'd like to leave with our, with our listeners is, first of all, this is not life or death. No one's going to die here. Um, and I think that Henry Ford actually said it best. And Henry Ford said either you think you can or you think you can't. And either way, you're right. <laughs> that is so true. So, so true. Wendy, where can people find you? Well, the best place to find me, and it's also where you can find uh, Cold Calling for Women and the Sales Winner's Handbook, is at queenofcoldcalling.com. And um, I also want to invite all our listeners uh, to visit another site, which is coldcalling911.com. And uh, I have a brand new ebook just came out, and it's free. It's called The Cold Calling Survival Guide. Start setting appointments in the next 24 hours. So uh, that is at coldcalling911.com. And my other website is queenofcoldcalling.com. So you can reach me through either one of those websites. Uh, you can send well, me an email. Terrific. And for our Executive Girlfriends Group members, if you are out uh, taking a walk and listening to us on iTunes or you're in your car, um, you can always get to Wendy on the Executive Girlfriends Group private website. Uh, Patty Brinkman, our producer, has made sure that Wendy's information is available to you, and also her books are available on the Executive Girlfriends Group uh, book site. So we really appreciate, Wendy, you uh, joining us today and giving us uh, so much of your time. And I think we do actually have somebody live, uh, actually a couple of people live on the call, so I'd like to just see if anybody has any questions or comments before we let you go. Uh, Kathleen, I see you're on the phone. I'm here. <laughs> and then we've got somebody else from Tampa. I, I uh, don't see a caller ID on, on our, our Tampa listener. Hello? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm Trace Taylor. Perhaps uh, I'm the Tampa listing. I'm actually oh, hey, not. Oh, Trish. A... Yeah. So I'm so glad you could join us, and I apologize for not getting you the uh, the conference call in line a little bit sooner. Uh, but as I had mentioned, Wendy's uh, recording today is going to be available on our Blog Talk Radio site, so you can uh, listen to those parts of it that you missed. So any Thank comments you. or questions for Wendy? No, no. All right. I guess great. really, yeah. It, it, it's been a wonderful call. I'll I'll look through the materials, and most certainly, we appreciate you coming today. It was wonderful. Well, thank you. Well, great. Yeah, Kath, Kathleen has a a uh, real estate business up in uh, North Carolina and North Georgia, and so. Uh, oh my goodness! Does, I do a lot of work been, with people in, been, in yeah, real estate. Real estate publishing has been difficult, and the real estate downturn. So we've been trying to churn out other types of marketing. Uh, publications like a vacation guide, and we've just launched a senior's guide. And we're mm -hmm. trying to diversify our marketplace so we can um, hit different sectors of what we do, and that is pre-press production and, uh, and magazine publishing, and hopes to, you know, find a, you know, a diversified market group in order to, you know, keep the, the cash flow coming. <laughs> and uh, real estate's just been a hard sector to deal with. That's what I got involved with to start with, and it's just been a hard blow um, when the real estate market and foreclosures have just been so heavy. So we're continually refining our process and trying to constantly get new services and home-related services in the magazine versus just focusing all on real estate right now. Well, surviving that um, is amazing because it's got to take some, some tremendous strategizing. Yes. <laughs> and that's why we're diversifying into other markets. We've done a vacation guide, and now we're diversifying into the seniors' market, uh, health care, fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, uh, so we can try to keep going with more clients and, and different publications. 
Well, uh, I have a question for you. Where are you in anything to do with the uh, the EPUB realm and the digital magazine realm? Right. We do publish, um, of course, online magazines and uh, all kinds of special publications that we're doing for our realtors. We do online publications, too. I pro I've been talking to Chicky for a while about having a, a better presence online for the social networking, and, of course, I do for... LinkedIn, but well, I came in right when we when you were talking about the the digital uh, networking. Mhm. Mm okay. And uh, I'll, I'm sure I, I can uh, look at that through your um, uh, your your blog also on your Queen of Cold Calling also. I'm sorry, I'm having a very hard time hearing. Uh, what was the question? That um, some of that information will be on your queenofcoldcalling.com website. Yes. Yes. Okay. Great. Well, I'll review that. Thank you very, very much. It's been a pleasure. Wendy. All right. Terrific. Well, Wendy, thank you so much, and uh, I am going to be diving into both of your books this weekend. Uh, so that I get uh, completely saturated in in uh, being able to help my team because we're we're about to do a, a major blitz in uh, a couple of parts of the country and uh, I think you have just given us the tools that we need to be successful in that. Well, fabulous! I'm visualizing you surrounded by cash. <laughs> Absolutely, and then my son and I were watching Secret Millionaire this morning, uh, just uh, on demand on TV and. And watching these uh, people who are millionaires going out and pretending that they don't have any money, and, and you know, recognizing other people who are volunteering and giving, and I thought, okay, that's that's what I want to be. I want to be the one who's who's able to finally give that way. And that's that's kind of the the core of our whole new business and why we're doing uh, the not-for-profit focus because we're uh, you know again leveraging travel with a site called Traveling to Give. Uh, of helping people to uh, tap into the donors uh, that they already have who are traveling every day. So, anyway, excited about getting there. <laughs> well, Wendy, thank you so much for, for your help and your practical suggestions today. Uh, for women and, and men alike, we have uh, a lot of men uh, who also listen to our shows on Blog Talk Radio. So. Uh, we will be posting uh, the show on Blog Talk Radio this weekend. And for those who'd like to know more about the Executive Girlfriends Group, it's www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. And we appreciate everybody listening today. Yes. Thank you all. All right. Thank you so much, Wendy. Bye-bye. <laughs>